0: Merrill Memo with Matthew Dickerson from Dubbo Regional Council.
1: Welcome to the Merrill Memo podcast. While the normal host Mark Barnes is away over the Christmas break, I've taken the opportunity to interview the councillors individually about their first year with the new council. 23rd of December 2021 was the day that the new council was sworn in and inducted, and the councillor interviews were conducted within a few days either side of the one-year anniversary of that date. The process was straightforward. I invited all of the other nine councillors to be a guest on the Merrill Memo podcast. I then created 10 questions that explored some information about each councillor and about their first year in the role. Feedback was provided by the councillors on those questions and after some modifications, all guests were then asked those identical questions. Each councillor sat down with me in my makeshift studio at home and I asked them each of the 10 questions, plus a bonus anything else question. I am publishing two of those interviews each week in reverse alphabetical order, and the Merrill Memo podcast will then resume as normal when Mark Barnes returns from holidays. I hope you enjoy the insight into the minds of our (laughs) councillors. This week, we have Damien Mann and Richard Ivey. I'm sitting with Councillor Damien Marne. Damien was elected from the East Ward in December 2021. So another first time councillor we've got here. So how are you going today, Damien?
2: I'm really well, Matthew. Thank you.
1: Yeah, good. So I've got... 10 questions for you, 11 questions actually. So the first question is, what motivated you to stand for council elections in December 2021?
2: Uh, well, really it was um, it was never on my radar, uh, local government, uh, and it was, um, I guess I was an observer over the last couple of years and I was getting uh, feedback from people right around the country uh, asking me what's going on with your council there in Dubbo, the headlines and the, and the sort of uh, negative connotations around I thought I th- just thought Dubbo's reputation was being dragged through the mud a fair bit, so I thought, well, um, maybe I can help here. You know, I, th- I think uh, if if uh, people don't step off their uh, comfort zone and go and help, they can be part of the problem as much as being part of the solution. So, um, yeah, it was a little bit of a. Uh, I had some um, approaches from a few people that had either previously been counsellors or. Um, felt that I could maybe add something as a counsellor and at the end of the day I thought, well, why not? We'll give it a crack and um, see how we go.
1: And obviously a proud Dubbo person. When you heard Dubbo's name not being talked about in the greatest way, obviously that has an impact on you individually as a person because you're probably proud of Dubbo.
2: Oh, absolutely. And has just come on in leaps and bounds. I've been here um, just on 30 years now and uh, f- the way that it's going and the things that are happening Going forward in Dubbo, with, with so much um, opportunity coming along, I just, I just could see that we, the last thing we needed was bad publicity from our, um, from our top people in the town when it comes to leadership, um, showing the way, and just general h- how we need to take a, such a vibrant place and 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 make it go forward.
3: Yeah. <laughs>
1: How would you describe your most enjoyable aspect of being a counselor
2: i um, I'm probably a little bit selfish here, but I've really enjoyed the uh, opportunity for sort of personal development around that whole learning about the local government um, process, how it actually works. It was something I'd never spent much time on in, in my whole life, really. I, I, um, I, I probably... The the old saying, you don't know what you don't know, uh, that certainly rang true for me and it's been a real eye-opener and I feel I've learned a hell of a lot in 12 months just around how that whole government process works. Been lucky enough to go to a couple of um, the uh, local government conference and then a National uh, Roads Congress in in, um, Tasmania and um, it's really speaking a different language but one which I'm, I'm really understanding quicker than I thought I would um, and it's quite uh, interesting to see how the whole thing runs out. I, th- I, I get very um, uh, impressed with the level of planning that goes into just about everything that we look at and, and particularly how far out that planning reaches sometimes, you know, 2040, 2050, in the, in the long-term thinking of um, what the town's going to look like, uh, wh- where the roads need to be, etc., etc. et cetera. The population shifts. It's, it's I'm finding it very, very interesting. So as I say, a little bit selfish, but um, that's what I've really enjoyed this year.
1: And of course, I know you've done the Australian Institute of Company Directors course previously, which gives you that really good grounding in governance and obviously your business background as well. But it does have some similarities to the ARCD process as well around that governance, doesn't it?
2: Oh, absolutely. Yep. And uh, it, it is a, a big beast, the Local Government Act, and the amount of, um, like probably from a uh, private uh, business person like yourself, you, some frustrations at times are just how slow things have to move because you've got so many hoops that you need to jump through or the staff need to, to put through the process to make things happen. But I guess it's all there for a reason.
1: And I think that's right. One of my frustrations when I first became a councillor was how slow it was taking to get things done because I knew the answer. I knew what I wanted to achieve. Now, why don't we just go and do that? But what I learned was that I'm not dealing with my money. If I'm dealing with my money in my business and it doesn't go perfectly or I get something wrong, then I'm the only one to lose out. But when I'm dealing with your money or the community's money, you've got to take that slower process and make sure the community's on for the ride. And you really can't afford to have those little mishits. You've got to make sure that everything's either okay or successful or fantastic. You just can't afford to have those little misses which you might have in business.
2: Yep, that's exactly right. And when you came back to the governance thing, it's um – one part in the business where, as you said, it's your it's your money. You can make a decision and be and implement it tomorrow morning. Where uh, in in our role now, we, we're caretakers of, of the people's um, palace, if you like. So we've got to make sure that money, when it's spent, is done uh, accordingly and following all the rules and regulations and and with the input from the from the um, constituents. <laughs>
1: What, what are council's greatest achievements this year?
2: Um, I think personally the the uh, lifting of the performance improvement order uh, from the local government minister was a, a bit of a highlight and I do acknowledge that the previous council did address a lot of those issues towards the end of their term but obviously to have that lifted um, officially mid-year was, was a good sign I guess that we we're heading in the right direction. Um, and the other, what I thought was a great achievement for a new body of councillors would our um absolutely vigorously engaged with the process of uh, the induction process. It was quite a robust induction program and um, I think it showed early in the piece that everybody was there for the right reason. Uh, they all jumped in and I, I think most councillors went to almost every workshop or, or the, particularly the ones they could get to. But I think it showed a real willingness to, to learn and understand how what the role contains and um, I guess learning how to work within the local government Act and and all the rules and regulations around that with with the guidance of the people uh, that we work with.
1: if anyone was half-hearted, that would have flushed them out, wouldn't it? Because they were fairly heavy on to begin with and we were loaded up with a lot of induction programs to begin with. So if you really weren't committed to the role, you would have put the white flag up and said, you know what, I'm out of here. So no one did that, which is fantastic.
2: Yeah, I think that was a key point in the uh, performance improvement order was... um, the uh, induction process for, for new councillors uh, and they absolutely they did they inundated us with information um, site trips visits we had all the uh, different people present their their business and, and what ramifications that had like it was it was absolutely end to end it was it was really good and as I say I, I think all the councillors jumped in and really embraced that.
1: And I think we'll see the results of that, as we go forward this year, you could describe as a learning year. I think next year, I think, will be a very productive year based on that great induction process.
2: Yeah, yep, yeah, for sure. Uh, and we're still learning as we go along.
1: How do you think the council could have done better this year?
2: Um, going back probably to the um, fact that we're all, well, most of us are new councillors. Um, I think we we're learning as we go along, and there's just times when you could ask better questions or different questions of the staff to to come come up with the information that you need. Um, I think there's a few occasions where you know, as I say, it's a learning curve, I guess. But there's probably a few occasions where things might have got um, rushed a little bit. Where, if we'd have just been able to take some more time and get some more information, we could have made a. None of it was major decisions, but I just think, and that's what I learned as we went along, you've got to really understand to ask the questions whilst you get the information presented to you in one format. The skill is to ask a question that's going to peel back the layers a little bit.
1: What was your toughest individual decision this year as a councillor?
2: Um, for me, it goes back to, I think it was possibly our first um, first council meeting, or very, very early in our term anyway. We had a uh, an approval for a construction of a boarding house in North Dubbo. Um, and that was, uh, whilst it was and still is the correct decision, once we base the, the facts, that all the legislative requirements and all the boxes that had to be ticked... Um, I just found it a tough decision because of the personal impact on some of the surrounding residents, etc. But um, I guess at the end of the day, we need to make the right decisions based on the right information. But uh, personally, I just struggled with that a little bit.
1: And it was one of those, wasn't it, where you could see from both points of view, they both had good arguments. They were both logical and valid and you want to be able to say yes to both sides of that argument, but as a counsellor, you've got to make a decision. You've got to say yes and you've got to say no, and that was one of those tough ones. I agree, it was a really tough one.
2: Yeah, and I I think also being so early in the piece, uh, maybe six or eight months down the track, just would have had some more experience around filtering some of the um, emotional side of it out of it. You you never lose sight of that, but I think uh, being new, but anyway, that's, that's part of the job, I guess.
1: Yeah, and we did defer that decision, I think, based on the fact that it was... A new group of councillors, and it was hard to get their head wrapped around all of that in such a short time frame. And I'm not the biggest fan of deferrals, but in that case, I think it was the right decision to go to a deferral. And then we had another month. We had that site meeting, as you would remember, and then we could really get a, a full appreciation of it, and then make hopefully the best decision.
2: Yep, uh, that's 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 what we have to do. I guess stick to the stick to the um,
3: facts. What
1: have been your challenges or frustrations as a counsellor in the last year?
2: I'd probably go back to a previous answer where um, things move quite slowly, um, which is so different to, to small medium business, where you, as we said, you can make decisions and have have changes implemented overnight almost. Um, but that's that's how it works. Um, I also get a bit frustrated. I think sometimes you, you, you sort of. Uh, you can see half truths or sometimes absolute BS being peddled. Um, that gets people whipped into a frenzy, and, and, and you look back and you think, "Well, no, that's not even right. That's not the facts." It's frustrating that that tends to get people uh, moving on, on the on the topic, um, and then then the, the truth or the right absu- abs- abs- the right actual uh, facts will come out. But there's never any type of a retraction or a, "Oh, sorry, I got that wrong." or... I just think, um, you know, you, I guess sometimes people see councillors as sitting ducks to be able to throw as much mud as they want to. And that's fine. That's water off a of duck's back to me.
1: Yeah. And councillors are all have the code of conduct to answer to if we behaved in that same way. But unfortunately, some members of the public, it'd be nice to be able to have some code of conduct rules that they had to adhere to as well.
2: Oh, no, that's fine. No, that's the world we live in. That's social media. But um, it's the half, it's, as I say, it's the half truce or the or the absolute bollocks that they sometimes respond to um, just to get the reaction, so that's fine.
1: What was the most surprising or unexpected aspect you found about council this year?
2: Um, I had to say, it, I, as I said, I've never really got myself terribly involved at uh, local government level in, in any way, and I... Um, I'm really impressed with the um, – the, our, our CEO is, is a great leader, I believe, um, but also his key staff that we interact with on a regular basis, the directors and and the uh, management team, when they're doing their um, – putting that forward their, their uh, arguments or, or their reports, et cetera. Um, I just see – you can just see their passion and commitment to Dubbo and Dubbo Regional Councils. Um, and the role they're playing—it's just really obvious how committed they are, which is maybe I imagine beforehand that you get maybe a, the old-style um, public servant sort of mentality in your head. Which I, I, and I never—I don't mean that derogatively in any way—but I've been absolutely impressed by the uh, the way that the, in general, that the, the senior staff um, have do have got a genuine passion for what we're trying to achieve.
1: Mm, and obviously, we look a lot better. When we've got great professional staff who are implementing some of our ideas, or even coming up some of the ideas themselves, so it does help us do our job better, doesn't it?
2: Oh, absolutely, yeah. And and we're relying on them to tell us what we need to know, um, in 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 conjunction with, as I said before, that we got to ask those questions to really make sure we get into the nitty gritty. But um, no, I've I've really enjoyed the the year so far working with them guys. <laughs>
1: How would you describe the public perception of council?
3: Um, <clears throat> I think
2: in general, it's, um, people are probably still watching the new council and how it develops. I've got uh, In private conversations, I've had a lot of compliments and um, people sort of along the lines of, oh, it's great to see some fresh blood in there in such a diverse group from different ethnic backgrounds, from um, different uh, social backgrounds. Obviously, we've all got a different focus on, on what we see as the key part of, of, of the business and um, and people can see that that's um, starting to make a difference as you come through. But um, as I say before, so some of the social media groups are not, probably not that, um, what would I say, they're just not that, that solid on backing the council in, in almost whatever happens, but that's okay, that's, that's, as I say, let's get the right facts and... Um, I think the personal attacks are never much fun to read, whether it's you know, whoever it's directed at. And at the end of the day, um, a lot of our council decisions, we end up, we make, it results in winners and losers. So you are you can never make everybody happy. The people that win are the happy ones and the people that think we got it wrong are the unhappy ones. And um, we, if we make the decisions with all the available information we can and, and for the right reasons, well that that that's life you know that's just how it is you don't always get to win every argument um what i don't understand though is some of these special interest groups that um uh, at times tend to be hostile and derogatory and almost abusive to to the council in general or particular councillors who those councillors are, are the very people that are going to be making decisions on what their 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 causes are so if they've got if they're passionate about a cause surely it, it makes more sense to find a way to work in a conciliatory and a a um, collaboratively a collaborative manner, with with respect to each other as you work through all the details, and that, that that doesn't mean that they won't be holding true to their beliefs, but it just makes the whole process. You know, you're going to be talking to people in a manner that, if you if you believe in something so much, you get, you get the opportunity to um, put your case forward rather than the hostile sort of route that tends to be the the way of the world sometimes. Um, yeah.
1: What would you like to see Council achieve in 2023? Um,
2: I, think, I think our major item at the moment is we really need to get the, the master plan for the river right uh, and encompass the uh, residents, all the ideas, requests, um, special interest groups, just general, like um, there's been a lot of collaboration already with, with public um, display it's on display now for another couple of months, the, the draft of, of the, uh, the plan. So I think, um, again, we just need to get all the available information and make the right decisions for all the right reasons and take in all those opinions and, and um, facts along the way that we, we get that right because it's, it's uh, going to make a big difference to the world that we, we all inhabit, how we treat that space uh, with the developments over in the western area, in the northwest zone, um, if we get the river co- corridor right, I think it, it's going to be a absolute showpiece for the town. Um, and the other thing that I, I'd just like to explore more around understanding how the planning works around our green spaces and our our tree canopies. Um, just just at the end of the year, I've been looking into some of the um, other councils and how they how they treat that, how they legislate it, how they um, they have targets for 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 these sort of Features in the community, and I just think as we're getting hotter and hotter, and Dubbo's one of the hottest places in the in the town in the in the country at the moment. Um, we keep getting told that we're only going to get hotter, so I think it's really important that we plan that for future generations uh, and make sure we we don't you know we leave a legacy that it's going to protect them.
3: Mm. <laughs>
1: What does the Dubbo region look like in 2050?
2: Yeah, this is uh, this was a tough one. I, I, look, I think uh, more of the same. Continue that that year-on-year incremental growth that we've had. Um, I think with all the development coming through with the uh, res and the um, all the other infrastructure, we, we probably will get a couple of spikes in populations, rather than that gradual increase that we've had um, for for many many years. But I think the um, it will, it will continue to remain vibrant um i sort of have a wish for particularly on the wellington end that that we can uh, really take advantage of the the town down there and uh, the fact that it's on on the highways and it's on the river and it's got all the beautiful architecture and all the rest of it and if we can't just find a way to unlock prosperity more down in wellington from a development point of view um and, and build that back up to i, I talked to a lot of people that grew up in wellington and It was a wonderful place to grow up and and I'm sure that we can get it back to that with the right um, planning and support.
1: Any other general comments?
2: Oh, no, I'd just like to um, probably thank yourself and the staff (coughs) um, for... For my first year, uh, it's been very, very helpful to have people that have been there before and done what they've done. Um, Councilor Vicki Etheridge has also been very helpful. She's she's been a former councillor, so um, Murray in particular with the the induction program, yeah. So I, I don't want to repeat myself, but yeah, it's been a very. Um, I've, I've felt very much included um, in in, uh, in the whole council process, and uh, looking forward to the next what have we got, two years and nine months or something? Or uh, just, only a year uh, and nine a months. Year, a year and nine months, okay. So uh, let's see what we can make happen between now and then and, and then the next election will be here in no time, no doubt. So
1: yeah, Well done. We're just about at our one-year anniversary as we're recording this at our one-year anniversary of our induction, our initial induction. So that's very exciting. So well done. I've enjoyed working with you this year. And I think next year, as I said before, we've really done that learning process this year. And hopefully next year, there won't be floods or pandemics or bushfires or mice plagues to deal with. And hopefully we can really progress this region because it is pretty exciting, I think, the things we've got and I think you get the nail on the head. Council is very good typically at that long-term planning. I think we've got lots of long-term strategic plans to get in place that will set this city up, this region up for the next decade or more. So yeah, it's been good working with you. I look forward to next year, Damien. Uh, Thank you, Matt. All the best. I'm here with the Deputy Mayor, Richard Ivey, today. And Richard was elected in the Wellington Ward in December 2021. Richard's another first-time councillor Great to be seeing you today, Richard.
0: Thanks, Matt. Very good to be here.
1: We've got our 10 questions, as we've asked all councillors the same 10 questions. So I'll go through those. And I've got number 11 as well as a bonus question, which is any other topic you want to talk about. So question one, Richard. What motivated you to stand for council elections in December 2021?
0: I've always been in favour of amalgamation. I I think that the amalgamation between Dubbo and Wellington uh, was in the best interest of both areas, but I think that the amalgamation process probably hadn't been as successful as I thought it could be, and so I thought, well, if I have that view, why don't I stand for council and see whether I can help the the situation. I think there's real synergies between uh, Dubbo as a city and uh, the surrounding areas, the villages and rural areas and I think both those uh, areas of city and country can really benefit by amalgamation and uh, it hadn't been as good as it could have been and so I thought let's give it a go and see what I can do towards uh, reversing that situation.
1: So it's interesting now you've been there for a year, actually we're recording this on the 23rd of December so it's a year today Mm -hmm. since our induction last year. So you've been there for a year now, how are your thoughts about amalgamation after being inside the machine for the last year.
0: I think uh, I think it's been good I think I'm getting more positive feedback now just again I'm obviously more biased towards the Wellington area because that's how I, I talk to more people there than perhaps in the dubbo area but it does seem to be a much greater acceptance of the benefits of amalgamation amongst Wellingtonians and and I think that's they, they, they do think that they've perhaps got a voice I have tried to be out there amongst them and, and really uh, listening to what the, the issues are and trying to pass them through council and I think that is being appreciated and so that there is, a, a, I think, one, within that uh, uh, old Wellington LGA, more of an awareness of, of the benefits of Dubbo and a, more of an awareness that the, perhaps they do have a voice and are being listened to.
1: How would you describe your most enjoyable aspect of being a counsellor?
0: The most enjoyable aspect, I think, is being part of the council team. I think the, uh, the, the group of councillors we've got, uh, I find them very interesting. I find them very good to work with. I think there's some pretty basic different philosophies between us, so it's not as if we are all thinking necessarily along the same lines, but there is a, a great uh, camaraderie, if you like, amongst the group that thinks that Look, we are here to do the best for the community. And as I say, we may have different views on how that can be accomplished, But it's just great to be part of a team that thinks of itself as a team. And so I think that's been one of the best aspects of being part of this council is that you really think that you are working with people who've got a common interest and uh, a common respect. And that's really good.
1: And it's a bit like society. You've got people with different interests and focused on different things and you want that diversity on council. And that's the important thing. I think the most successful councils I've seen or been involved with have that focus on great outcomes for the community. And they might approach it differently, but they want those great outcomes. When I think councils fail is when people have Mm. the the wrong, and I'm going to say the word wrong, maybe maybe I'm being too harsh, but the different agendas rather than good community outcomes. I think that's when councils don't, Work as successfully.
0: Yes, and look, I think that uh, diversity of agendas, if you like, uh, that leads to difference of ideas and an expansion of uh, of what council uh, can can accomplish, and and so that's a good thing. But provided people take it as it is and work with it and realise that ultimately uh, there's got to be one decision and that's got to be uh, put out to the community and it's got to be for the community's best interest and even if you don't believe in that yourself, uh, if it's best for the community, that's fine.
1: What are Council's greatest achievements this year?
0: I think the greatest achievements have been that really the seamless transition uh, from the old uh, the old council now, uh, and that seamless transition has involved really nine or eight uh, councillors who didn't have any experience in local government uh, before, in the sense of being a member of a council, and the fact that this council within twelve months has really uh, done what it's done, and that it has achieved lots of good things, but it's done uh, that with a council who were relatively um, inexperienced. They they're inexperienced in local government work, but I think the beauty of this council is that all members of the council have got fantastic uh, life skills. They've got business, uh, business skills, they've got financial skills, they've got uh, community skills, and they seem to have brought those uh, skills into council and have integrated them well, again, as part of a team.
1: And there was a huge amount of induction and training at the very beginning, and I think that probably helped set the team up to take those skills, those life skills, those external skills, and understand the knowledge of local government to then transition those two together.
0: Yeah, I think that's exactly right and I think uh, the, the staff, uh, particularly the CEO, ha- did a very good job in that, in that, uh, the, yes, there was a, a great learning curve for new councillors but we all had a very good appetite to take that uh, learning on and, uh, and I think that was, uh, really, fed in, uh, was really fed by the, the, the CEO and by the staff generally. And I think that uh, induction and, and bringing people up to speed has worked very well.
1: How do you think that Council could have done better this year?
0: I think that Council perhaps could have harnessed um, the community uh, involvement a little bit more. Uh, again, perhaps looking at it from a from a Wellington perspective, the uh, I think that, again, we've got some fantastic people in the community and I do sometimes think that Uh, me or council generally aren't utilising some of those skills as well as we could because people generally, uh, yeah, they've got some good ideas and just being able to, again, garner those ideas and turn them into something that's for the community benefit, I think uh, we can work on that a little bit more.
1: So probably the 16 committees that we form, the community committees, is a step in the right direction, but it's Mm -hmm. one thing having the committees, isn't it? The next thing is actually making sure they meet regularly, we take that information, we take the energy and enthusiasm and then turn that into great outcomes for council.
0: Absolutely, and and there's two uh, two councils that I'm close, uh, two committees that I'm uh, uh, closely involved in, and that's the villages committee and the Wellington Town committee. Uh, look, the Wellington Town committee I think has functioned very very well. I think it's got uh, really got great uh, potential to, to uh, achieve some things for the community. Uh, the villages committee perhaps hasn't been quite so successful. So I think yeah, the, there's two committees. One's been very uh, very good. The other one perhaps could be a bit better. So uh, yeah, I think there's things to work. Work on there
1: yeah and that's good and if there's things to work on we can work on those mm. and we can acknowledge that there's ways to do things better but I I think the idea of keeping the community involved and tapping that enthusiasm we've got 10 enthusiastic councilors mm. but we could have 10,000 enthusiastic people involved in various things so take advantage of that yes <laughs> What was your toughest individual decision this year as a counsellor?
0: I don't think there was any tough decision for me individually, uh, in the sense that. I- I could make a decision on most things fairly easily. I think I was uh, able to do the research and and form my opinion. So the actual decision-making process, uh, as far as I was concerned, wasn't particularly complicated. I found it uh, very good and it wasn't particularly tough. Um, But having said that, of course, my decisions, uh, my uh, opinions, didn't always accord with the majority of council. So uh, uh, I think that's... But I don't mind that and I I don't regard that, therefore... uh, uh, as a tough decision. I mean, I was happy with the decision that I made and I, in each case, well, I must admit, I still think I was right. But it didn't go with the council and, and I'm happy with that. But uh, So, no, I don't think there's actually been any, any tough decision as such. I think it was uh, uh, the whole decision-making process has been pretty uh, well-defined and, and quite easy. <laughs>
1: What have been your challenges or frustrations as a counsellor in the last year?
0: The the main frustration is is just knowing what the limitations uh, uh, of a coun- or of a councillor are uh, what they are. Um, you know, I've worked uh, in, in business over the years. I've largely run my own business. Uh, I made the decisions, and I stuck by the, um, the the outcome of those decisions. And that's not what how a council works. It's much more of a, a large scale committee orientated uh, business. Their decision making is much more convoluted. it it hopefully is perhaps a a ends up with a better decision but it's just I find a little bit frustrating at times how long it takes to get that decision and what hoops you've got to jump through uh, to make that uh, to make that happen. So uh, I found that, I don't know if frustrating is quite the right word but I've, it, it's been, I, I mean I knew the council was a, a large organisation I knew the decision making process was much more complicated but I perhaps didn't appreciate to exactly the, 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 the large extent that that happened and, and so Uh, That's been a little bit frustrating, but um, it's been a good learning curve for me.
1: And sometimes you don't necessarily get better decisions. You might get the same decision you were going to make, but I found, similar to you back when I first got on council, that, oh, it's taking so long. I know this is a great thing. We should just go and do it, but... Part of the process, I believe, is getting the community along for the ride.
0: You've got to get ownership of it. That's right. You can sit there and just make a blanket decision and that's fine. But if the community doesn't realise why that decision was made or doesn't feel that it was really part of it, and and the community can be part of that decision-making through its inputs into the councillors or uh, via the councillors, then, but so, yes, if the community doesn't gain that sense of ownership, I don't think the decision-making process has been uh, successful.
1: what was the most surprising or unexpected aspect you found about council this year
0: yeah, it probably follows on from the, what I said in the la- answer to the last question is that um, just the time taken to, uh, to get results. So you, you, know, you put in a request for information or a suggestion as to what uh, uh, might be made or even a, a, a notice of motion that gets uh, debated and voted upon. But of course just the time taken uh, for that to um, produce an effect is uh, I found uh, quite surprising and I think it perhaps could be a little bit better than it is
1: even one of the other interesting things is that we might have for example a price rise at the wellington caves well if you own that business you yeah. decide maybe at the end of a financial year to put the prices up or maybe market conditions change. So you might change that price and it might come into effect immediately. But when we do things through council with our business units, we might have a price change and then we put it out on public consultation for maybe 28 days and then it comes back to another yeah. council meeting. So just even things like that that seem like simple, almost operational issues seem to take a long time. And again, I understand it. Yeah. It's just the way it is. It's not wrong, right or indifferent. It's just the way it is. You almost have to realign your time frames to do things, mm, don't
0: you? Absolutely. There's a classic example of that. Just yesterday, uh, we had the uh, meeting last night, uh, the committee to organise Australia Day celebrations uh, on the in Wellington, and uh, the the on the 26th, the the pool will be open and it'll be free of charge, uh, and that's uh, that's fine. And someone said, "Well, what about the caves? Can we actually have free entry at the caves on Australia Day?" Ah, no. No, 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 we can't. The, the free entry into the pool, that's OK, because that's in the budget. But it, we would have to have a council decision to say that we wouldn't charge uh, to go into the caves on Australia Day, and, and obviously that won't be possible between now and the 26th of January. So, yeah, you're quite right. it's uh, You can't just make a snap decision.
1: No, that's right. <laughs> How would you describe the public perception of council?
0: Yeah, that's a difficult one in some ways. Uh, look, we obviously get feedback all the time from the uh, from the public. Uh, the negative voices are always the loudest and uh, and, and and the most vocal and the uh, most frequent. But uh, I suspect that really they aren't uh, necessarily representative of a broad scale of the community. And um, I get enough good comments uh, amongst the uh, the sprays that some of the uh, negative comments are. I get enough good comments to realise that people are appreciative of what this council is doing and that, uh, yes, a lot of people realise that we are working under difficult circumstances. You know, the the high rainfall and the floods and the damage to infrastructure, roads and bridges and causeways, uh, people are realising that that is not um, something that council can fix immediately and they are appreciative though of the efforts that council is making and and as I say, I'm getting enough good comments to think that yes, I think the perception amongst the public of this current council is is good. Um, It's probably, I I would say, 6 or 7 out of 10 and I think it would be great to be 8 or 9 out of 10 so I think that's something we can work on for the next couple of years.
1: (laughs) what would you like to see council achieve in 2023
0: i would love to see council get a better deal out of the renewable energy sector uh, for this community now i know a lot of the uh, the the, the deal that uh, renewables are providing into the community uh, the guidelines are set by the state government and not necessarily the local government but we just look at what's happening amongst the renewable development in our area and it's fantastic. We really are seeing major, major development work. Uh, we're seeing uh, solar farms, wind farms with some of the uh, add-ons, battery storage and things like that. So that really is changing and, and, and it's fantastic what's going on within our community. But I just think the community isn't getting enough out of it. I mean, the, the planning agreements now, the draft planning agreements are saying that renewables uh, proponents will have to put in 1% of, uh, uh, of the capital value into community benefits. 1%. You know, 1% of the 99 uh, other bits of it don't go to the, the local community. The community gets 1% for providing the infrastructure to enable... Uh, this whole energy transition to take place and I just don't think that 1% into the community that's providing the, uh, the, the, the actual resources or the land and the infrastructure uh, is enough but um, I know I'm hitting my head against a brick wall there but I think it should still be spoken of and tried to push for so I'd like to see if we could a much better deal to the, for the community from the proponents of uh, renewable energy development.
1: And to clarify that for listeners, that 1% or even the Renewable Energy Benefit Framework, we talked about 1.5%, but it is a matter of getting that out of the proponents. So we can can put 20% there (laughs) if we like, but getting it out of them is a challenge. Mm. But the way that would work, again, just to explain to listeners, is that the capital cost of a project, for example, if it was a $100 million project, if we had a deal that gave us 1%, it would be $1 million, but that would be over the life of the project. So it wouldn't be $1 Mm. $1 million to the community, Upfront as part of the construction, it would be over the next 20 years, say, or 25 years of that project, that $1 million, the 1%, would come into the community over that time frame. So it gives you a bit of an idea, mm. as you say, when these projects are large projects, talking about hundreds of millions of dollars, large upfront capital intensive projects at the beginning, then the community... And again, that's if we do get the 1.5%, if it's a solar farm, there's no compulsion to give anything mm. at all. And mm. We've seen that mm. already. That's what we're working towards, but I agree with you. It would be nice to see all the different things that are going to be provided from the Bedangra community, the Wellington community, as part of the Renewable Energy Zone, getting benefits to the local community. I think a really important mm. aspect of that.
0: Mm. I mean, the renewables are here to, to save the planet. We were saying that um, you know we've got to move away from fossil fuels and move towards renewable energy is the go, and that's absolutely, I agree with that. Uh, All I say is that the communities which are enabling that to happen are not getting a good enough deal out of it.
1: What does the Dubbo region look like in 2050? Hmm... I think
0: it, the, the potential in the future looks fantastic. Uh, we're going to see further development of uh, agricultural industries. I think the uh, food security and, and uh, our uh, advantages, natural advantages of food production will go on uh, uh, into the future and perhaps even be uh, increased. We've, uh, area is a great service centre so that uh, for providing uh, services from health and education, uh, financial services, that will go on increasing. We've got some fantastic sort of mining development uh, which will provide extra money into the community and uh, so they will go on uh, better than they've been before and then throw in what we've just talked about, the renewable sector. Uh, that is going to change society incredibly and we are right at the center of it and and so it, it is fantastic that we we are able to use that uh, uh, renewable to help stimulate and help uh, develop air uh, develop this community in future we, we've got though to get some more downstream benefits from those renewables it's one thing just to have the solar panels and the wind farms uh, generating electricity that gets sent down the wire to uh, into Sydney or uh, some of the industrial Areas. What we need out here is some downstream uh, benefits and downstream uh, flow-on effects from those renewables. Things like um, uh, hydrogen generation, uh, perhaps even alternative uh, power generation from hi- hydrogen-fired uh, power station, uh, better battery storage, perhaps uh, manufacturing of some of the components for uh, renewables, the solar panels, the wind, the the vanes. Uh, there's a whole lot of areas that that we should be able to develop because we've got renewables here. And if we can just do that over the next 10 or 20 years, this whole area uh, is going to look fantastic. And 2050 is a very exciting time. And if we can just do that uh, and perhaps have more tree cover, that'll be great too.
1: It does sound like an exciting region to be part of, doesn't it?
0: Oh it is absolutely absolutely. I mean uh, we've got we've got really any amount of land uh, sensibly used, we've got any amount of water. We've got uh, fantastic air quality. We we can uh, got fantastic resources to grow agricultural produce. Uh, We've got some good, exciting mining developments. I mean, gosh, we've got um, uh, really we're we're centrally located. It's it's not you know it's from Melbourne to Brisbane to Newcastle to Canberra to Sydney. Uh, It's it's just a fantastic area to be in.
1: Open mic time. Any other general comments?
0: Yes, I'd, I'd like to see more constructive comments uh, from the community back to the councillors as, as I mentioned before we've, we have certainly got, uh, quite rightly, we get lots of feedback and some of it's not too complimentary, but some of it is I think it's just unnecessarily uh, destructive. It's not constructive and, and I just think that uh, uh, we should be able to uh, work towards uh, better harmony within the community, towards a realisation that we're all in this together, we really we are trying to develop things for the common good, and I just think that perhaps uh, some uh, members of the community could could appreciate that and just be a little bit more constructive in in what they uh, uh, and what they provide as feedback to council.
1: Uh, well, thanks for your time, Richard. I've actually really appreciated your efforts as Deputy Mayor this year. You've filled in various things I haven't been able to make it to so I really Mm -hmm. appreciate your efforts there and appreciate your support and I think you've had a fantastic year. Again, first year in, it's always a tough gig to come in blind Mm -hmm. and start a whole new process and with a whole new organisation that you haven't been inside before. That's a tough challenge for anyone so I think you've done a fantastic job this year Mm -hmm. and I really look forward to working with you next year.
0: Thanks Matt and look, congratulations to you too. I think you're you're absolutely incredible The the work that you put in and the benefits and the ideas that you promote uh, just really good I, I've thoroughly enjoyed uh, uh, my time as Deputy Mayor I think uh, perhaps I'll look back and yes there may be some things that we, I could have done a little bit better but I suppose it's quite good to look back and say well I don't think we've actually had a major mistake or a major problem and, and <laughs> sort of really to, uh, to be able to come in and hit the ground uh, running and, and, and pick up uh, the things that have got to be developed and, and do that without any major disruption or interruption is perhaps, yeah, I'm quite Quite pleased with that
1: thank you I hope you enjoyed getting further insight into the minds of our councillors related to activities in 2022 with a view to the future as well we have a diverse group of councillors and we are working very well together as a team continue to provide feedback by sending emails to mayor at dabbo.com and please follow or subscribe to this podcast and leave a review Until next week,
0: Merrill Memo with Matthew Dickinson from Dubbo Regional Council.